Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. How you guys doing? Are you uh, you guys surviving this thing? Yeah, man, I'm just holed up here in Idaho and uh, going a little stir crazy, but making the best of it. So, Cody, you're in Austin, and Willie, you're up in Idaho, and you guys actually formed the band Reckless Kelly in Bend, Oregon, which is my home state. Were, were you guys, were, were you born in Oregon or are you born in Idaho? Uh, we were born uh, here we, in Idaho. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> you know the same story yeah, we, I do. <laughs> we were born in Idaho and uh, we moved to Bend, Oregon when I was 17, Cody was 18, and we started a band over there. And, uh, we were there for about a year before we moved down to Texas. Now, when you when you started in Oregon, obviously I'm a Portland guy. I went to uh, went to University of Oregon in Eugene, but went to high school in Portland. There was quite a quite an underground music scene in Portland, but I didn't realize that there was that much going on in Bend. Cody, you're you're the older brother. Were you the were you the instigator of this band? Is it, are you the one that got this started? Well, Willie and I both we had played with our dad for about oh gosh nine years or so. Um, with our, our little brothers, Mickey and Gary, so we had a family band, and it just kind of decided to move on from that, and we're looking at starting a band, and met a couple guys that lived in Bend, and there was a manager there that we uh, had met that said we could rehearse at his place, and he had an old school bus that Willie lived in for a while, and it was just kind of a an easy spot that wasn't too, too far away that we could go over and kind of jam with these guys a little bit, and then when we decided to go ahead and try and make it into a real real deal, we, we moved over there permanently. And uh, it was kind of a, a, a joint decision. Like I said, we, Willie and I shared a room growing up, and we've pretty much been best buds ever since we were little, little tykes. So I don't know. We just kind of started, uh, started this band and thought we'd give it a shot. And here we are 20, 24 years later, 25. Shoot, I don't even know. <laughs> Well, I, I discovered your music. A uh, friend of ours from Austin, I think you remember Bob Reike, he was caddying for yeah. me at the time on the PGA Tour. and he uh, We were driving from one tournament to another, and he said, I know you love music. Uh, you've got to hear this band, a bunch of friends of mine from Reckless Kelly. I, I, I was blown away when he popped in the CD in the car, but this is back in the old days. And I was blown away with the music, and uh, I've been a huge fan uh, ever since, and you guys both know that. You're both kind enough to let me write songs and send them to you, and and you uh, you actually help collaborate whenever I do a song for, for NBC. But, but let me ask you this. How did you get the band name, Willie? What Where did Reckless Kelly come from? Man, it was kind of a mistake because we thought it was a, a gangster, and I think we had it mechanically mistaken with uh machine gun kelly or something like that but we heard the name reckless kelly we, i'd always heard that name i just thought it was cool had a couple guys in the band left the band early on and they took the name with them which was the prairie much so that was actually a, a blessing in disguise later on <laughs> but um we only had a couple weeks to come up with the name and reckless kelly was on our short list of, of names and uh we decided to go with it for the weekend gigs and then Used it on the next poster, and it just kind of stuck. So, uh, actually, it turned out it was an Australian bank robber, Ned Kelly, was who he <laughs> had a mistaken with the gangster. So, he was uh, 
well, they called him a bush ranger down in Australia. He was kind of an outlaw, and um, they call him like the Robin Hood of uh, Australia. He used to rob the rich and feed the poor, and so um it turned out to be kind of a cool story. Well, I started, my love for music, I'm, I'm a lot older than you guys now, I'm 66, my love for music started back when the Beatles first came out, and I'm a, I bought a guitar and self-taught guitarist, as you guys know, you've seen me play, I'm about a 12 handicapper with a guitar, but I, <laughs> I fell in love, I just fell in love with music, and really didn't come to country music until late, and I, I don't really know how to put a label on your music because it's changed. I played I played so many years with my buddy Huey Lewis and Alice Cooper in golf tournaments, and I think I think rock and roll back then is now what you guys play, Cody. W- wouldn't you say it's mostly country rock is what you play? Yeah, it's you know a hybrid of all of that. I think you know growing up in the era that Willie and I did, we. We were, you know, had access to a lot of music, um, you know, and we both listened. You know, our dad was a big Western music fan growing up in old honky tonk stuff, so we listened to a lot of the traditional older country stuff, and then got into the country music of the '90s, and and then Willie started listening to you know '60s and '70s rock and roll, and kind of got me onto that. I was I was right the opposite of you, Peter. I came around late to the rock and roll. I was into the country stuff early, and then we were on our way to Bend, Oregon, one time, and stopped to help these hippies out on the side of the road fix their their vw bus and we jammed on the side of the road with them for a little bit and, and then uh we were hopping hop back in our car we're headed out and willie popped in a led zeppelin tape and i uh i got you know had a good stereo system in the truck and finally got to really just sit and listen to zeppelin for hours and i just found something clicked and i finally got it so it was yeah you know when we started the band it was just a big mixture of you know our our influences and then each of the guys came with their own influence as well so yeah we we knew we wanted to play a, a high high energy version of country music you know and and we were listening to a lot of guys like billy joe shaver and his son eddie shaver had a record out called unshaven that was really great and then a band called sunvolt which had just come out um there was a band called uncle tupelo that split into two bands one became wilco and the other became sunvolt and so we started listening to that stuff, and then uh, Ryan Adams was out with Whiskey Town, and there was this whole little kind of new movement. You know, at that point, the, the 90s country had kind of gotten a little bit cornball, cheesy. Um, so this was kind of bringing it back to that more, you know, songwriter-type stuff and, and, you know, songs with real messages and stories and, and a lot of attitude. We like We liked that. It's funny you say that because back when I was in college, again, much older than you guys, I was I was really influenced by Led Zeppelin. Probably still to this day, one of my top five bands is Jethro Tull. I'm not sure you even know who Jethro Tull is, but ACDC, yeah. Jimi Hendrix. And then I kind of graduated to Foreigner and Huey Lewis and the News and uh, guys like that. So early on for me, it was all about the sound. But lately, in the last, probably last 20 years of my life, it's become more about the lyrics and about the message. And that's one of the things that I love about about your music is the message, because you've got so many diverse lyrics. Uh, w- Willie, let me ask you, who's the, who writes all the songs? Is it, is it you or Cody, or, or is, it, is it kind of a collaboration? 
Well, I write pretty much all the songs. Um, we've co-written a little bit over the years, but uh, not a whole lot. But I usually do most of the writing, and then uh, I'll uh, throw a demo together and bring it to the band, and you know everybody kind of throws in their arrangement ideas. And um, so yeah, I can't pretty much do most of the writing, but uh, the guys always throw in a lot of ideas, especially on the arrangement standpoint. And you know, we all definitely contribute to the final product by the time the song's over by the time we get it recorded it's it's a whole different song than what i had started out with usually yeah there's definitely a lot of uh outside influence that the band brings to them to the songs themselves my first love was a wicked twisted road i hit the million mile mark at 17 years old Never saw the rainbow, much less a pot of gold. Yeah, my first love was a wicked twist. Willie, you're uh, you play guitar, uh, lead guitar. Well, not, I don't know if you play lead, but you play rhythm. But you're the lead yeah, vocalist. You don't want to. You don't want to hear me play lead guitar. <laughs> we got a guy for that. <laughs> and Cody, you're obviously vocals, backup vocals, but you play the fiddle, harmonica, mandolin, and. Uh, and to me, every time I see you at concert, Willie, you're out front, obviously banging away and singing your heart out. But Cody, you're the one that kind of kind of adds the nuance to the band with all the different sounds and and the different shape of the of each song. Do I have that right, or am I am I totally wrong there? No, I think that's right on. You know, I was have always been the utility guy playing the weird instruments, and you know, it it was. Uh, it took me a while playing with this band to kind of find my place, you know, because I was always, like I said, kind of grew up as, you know, real traditional country music and honky-tonk, and, and fiddle doesn't necessarily fit on every every song, especially when you know, the guys are trying to rock out. and You know, it, it does have its place on some of it, but that's why I uh, I was in Oregon. I had just gotten a 1000 bucks for my summer pay and went into Apple Music there in Portland, and there was a Rickenbacker electric mandolin hanging on the wall, and it was discounted to a thousand bucks. And I was just, I had just gotten paid that day, and I was like, "Here you go." And uh, I just knew for some reason that that you know I needed to have that, and I've been playing it ever since. So I kind of created my own little thing with that electric mandolin, and was able to hang in with the rock and roll. And I, I do, I like kind of laying in the back, and you know, just adding stuff in between what else is going on on stage. It's funny. You're like me. Whenever I, my whole tour career, whenever I would go by a golf shop, I would stop in and I would buy putters, old putters, old wedges, old woods, just because the history <laughs> of the game fascinates me and uh, drives my wife crazy because I've just got clubs and balls just just kicking around the house. She has to go through and collect them and throw them out in the garage. But let me ask you, Willie, I, I'm a, being a Portland guy, you guys are, be, are Oregonians. We both know Todd Snyder. I'm a huge fan of Todd Snyder. And I know you wrote a song and, and, and recorded uh, a song called Never Liked St. Valentine, which I discovered yeah. on YouTube. I discovered that. I didn't know you did that. The only YouTube videos that I listen to and I play along with are Reckless Kelly and Todd Snyder. And I just, I just think Todd is such a, a unique individual and 
songwriter and performer. And, and I don't know if, if he's influenced you like he's influenced me. Yeah, for sure, man. We listened to his first record, uh, Songs for the Daily Planet, when we had just moved to Bend. It was a pretty new record. It was maybe a year or two old. And we loved that record. It was like a real songwriter's songwriter type of thing. It was kind of like our John Prine, you know, like because my dad was a big Prine fan and Todd was a big Prine fan. And uh, he kind of had this younger spin to that style of writing, you know, the real kind of, he didn't really care what anybody thought. And it was always just really kind of funny, but clever lyrics and not hokey, but just like really insightful and just a really cool record. And we, we loved that a lot. So, um, We've always been fans of his, and uh, we got to know him over the years from, from playing the same festivals, and uh, had some friends in common. And uh, let's see, we I wanted to write this song with him because I had this idea for I Never Liked St. Valentine, and as soon as I had the idea, I had like a was the chorus written and maybe a half a verse or something, and I just thought he'd be perfect for it um, with that kind of tongue-in-cheek thing that he does. And uh, so I flew up to Nashville, and we got together. It took like three tries to get together when we canceled a couple times and of course showed up about three hours late, but we finally got together and uh, <laughs> we ended up writing the tune. And uh, once we sat down and actually pulled out our guitars and, and started writing, it happened really fast. We wrote it in probably less than two hours. And it turned out pretty cool. I, I really thought uh, he was the right guy for that song. Well, I, I hung around a lot with Hootie and the Blowfish back, back uh, when they were a band because they're all a bunch of golf nuts. And Mark Bryan actually was the first guy, Mark Bryan, the lead guitar player for Hootie, gave me a CD and he said, you got to listen to this guy. He's from, he's from Portland, Oregon. And at first, the way that he performed and sang, it, it's so irreverent, it actually surprised me that he would be recording stuff like that. But I have since come to be such a huge fan and appreciate the way that, that he goes about his craft, that I, I just think his lyrics are so smart. And I would I would encourage anybody that's listening to this podcast to to pull up Todd Snyder on YouTube and listen to him. Uh because if if you're gonna like if you like it, you're gonna love it. Obviously if you don't like it, you're probably gonna hate it. But there's there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, yeah, if you don't me, like it I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Well, I don't even think St. Christopher's a saint anymore. And jolly old St. Nick, look it up. He used to run around with whores. Some saints ain't that saintly. And that's fine. At least they don't come around once a year to remind me that I don't have a valentine. I don't have a valentine. Never liked Saint Valentine. I never liked Saint Valentine. He's breaking hearts all over town. So let me let me just dive into another area. You guys are huge sports fans and i would say i know you love golf we've played golf together but you're probably bigger baseball fans than you are anything would would that be would that be a, a safe assumption 
Yeah, we're baseball nuts. That's kind of the the band sport for sure. And you have a new, we've all been yep. fans since we were kids, and we've all got different teams. And we never, you know, we have a new crew member. Sometimes we'll get on the bus, and after a couple of weeks, they'll they'll say something like, "Do you guys ever watch anything besides baseball?" <laughs> <laughs> No, like, yeah, sometimes we watch golf tournament. <laughs> hey, amidst this, um, since you're talking about touring, obviously this coronavirus thing has shut everything down. We're in the world of golf. We're not going to be doing anything probably until the end of June, maybe even not until till July. What about your touring schedule, Cody? Where, are you guys going to be, do you have an idea of when you're going to get back on the road? You know, Peter, we really don't at this point. Um, we've kind of just kept gigs as long as we can and then you know obviously certain certain festivals have moved uh moved stuff to the fall in hopes that things will be up and running by then but i mean we're we're canceled all the way through may and uh looking you know a few things have canceled in june really hoping that you know by june july you know august at the latest we'll be able to to get back out there in some form and and be playing i it's hard to say uh you know uh, just at what capacity that'll be, you know. I mean, I, I don't know if they'll let huge crowds of people gather together, or how they'll how they'll try and separate them, or uh, you know, if you'll have a test and okay, I took the test and I, you know, I have it or I don't, or I, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll have a vaccine by then. That would be the, the best thing in the world. But uh, you know, we're all just kind of in the same boat, you know, changing uh, or just making it up as we go every day. <laughs> now you. I think you've got. I, I looked on looked on online. I think you've got twenty five or twenty six albums, something like that. And you've got two new albums coming out. I think next month. I just actually pre ordered them. Uh, American Girls and American Jackpot. A double, or actually, it, it, it's two albums. And I, I uh, Willie, I read where you wrote thirty or forty songs for these for these two records. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I, um, last several records, I've, I've just tried to write about twice as many as I need, um, just because I end up uh, coming up with a lot better songs, you know. And then the ones you thought were really good when you started writing for the record, you, by comparison, you're not as thrilled with them. So, uh, I'm pretty much when I started working with Ray Kennedy about ten years ago, he made a couple records with Ray, and uh, he was the first guy that like kind of sat me down and was like told me that I really needed to get better at, like, editing my songs. And so that was the first time I really started, like, really nitpicking my songs and then throwing away the ones that weren't as good as the, the better ones. And uh, so over the years, I've kind of started snowballing that a little bit. And, I, you know, for certain records, I'll write 20, 30 songs just for, you know, to come away with 10. And, uh, and I'm okay with that, you know, because it ends up being where – like what I try to do now is like when I get a really good song that I like when I first start writing for a record, I like uh, to try to just top that like nine or ten times and to the point where that song doesn't make the record. So let me ask you, Willie, what comes first? Because me, with my guitar on my knee and my 12 handicapper ability with the, with the guitar, what comes first, the lyrics or the music, uh, a chord progression or a riff? What, h- how do you do it? Most of the time for me, it starts with a line or a hook, you know, just a, a lyric. And uh, and then I'll just kind of structure the whole song around that because it's easy for me to tell right off the bat whether it's going to be a rocker or a ballad or a mid-tempo thing just based on the, the subject matter or the hook, you know. So, 
certain ones you just know is going to be a rocker, and then certain ones you just know is probably better off to be a, a slow one. So it starts there, and then I'll just take that one line and try to usually try to get a chorus first, um, sometimes a verse, but yeah, basically just sit down with the guitar and uh, sing the line over and over and try to rhyme it or just kind of mumble just gibberish until I get a, a chord progression going. And then uh, once you get a, a few lines that, that go to, together and a little bit of a chord progression, it kind of starts happening pretty fast. It'll fall into place, and then you get a chorus and a verse, and then all you got to do is write another verse or two, and you're done. You know, so well, it's not years, as hard as it looks if you've done it for a while. <laughs> well, it 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 it's kind of interesting because I, I've written probably ten or twelve songs. You guys know that. I send them to you, and you mess around with them. But sometimes after you're You've got them in your uh, on your phone, and you do it. You, I I start to hate them. I start to think that they're not any good, which they probably oh, yeah. are. But <laughs> and sometimes they're not. You know, that's that's the tough thing. I always I call it the shoebox test because um, I used to just throw all my songs in a box or a bag or a shoebox or something like that when I finished them, and I'd throw it into my bed or in the closet and give it a week or two at least, if not like several weeks, if you have that kind of time. And then you pull it out after almost forgetting about it. And so it's almost like you're hearing somebody else's tune sometimes. And you can really give it a little bit more of a, um, a critique that way without being so fresh. Because when you write something, at least for me, I think everything I just wrote is the greatest thing ever. And then, you know, you give it two weeks and you're like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? That's the worst thing I've ever written, you know. But sometimes you pull it out and it's like, wow, this, this is actually pretty good, you know. So that's a pretty good gauge for me anyway. Well, I got I got three of my favorite songs. I want to run through both with you. Uh, an album you wrote in '03 called "Under the Table and Above the Sun." There's a song on there called Desol "Desolation Angels," which is one. It might be my favorite song of yours because it's about living on the road. It reminds me of a PGA Tour player on the road. Was that kind of a uh, 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 anthem to being on the road, Cody? Was that something you guys thought about? Well, I think, you know, Willie, Willie if you can correct me if I'm wrong, we kind of wrote, wrote it based on a, a, a Kerouac book, right, Willie? Yeah, it's um, it's actually it was two different songs I put together, and it's funny you mentioned that one because I just recorded that this morning for this uh it's not really a TV show, but we're putting up a video once a week every Sunday on their uh, Reckless Kelly Facebook, where it's just me sitting around a campfire. We've been recording these uh, like eight or ten song little episodes, and I recorded that this morning sitting by the fire, and I uh, hadn't played it for quite a while by myself. But um, I'm glad you like that, because that's actually one of the ones that I really like. When, when people ask me what my favorite song is that I wrote, I have a hard time thinking of a good answer, but that one kind of pops in there. And it was originally a, it was kind of three songs that I was working on that sounded similar and then ended up putting them together. And like Cody said, it was a, a line from a Jack Kerouac book, um, Desolation Angel, which is where the title comes from. And there's a poem within the book uh, that's about this train that goes uh, up and down the, uh, the west coast of California. And so I stole a few lines from that poem, and uh, that was kind of where the course came from. And then we met this crazy cat down in Key West who left us a note after crashing on our floor at the band house for like a week. And we woke up and he was gone, but he left this note that was signed, uh, his name was T-Bone, but he signed, uh, thanks for everything, guys. Keep the rubber on the road and the blood inside. So that's where that line came from. 
And then the rest of it, I think I had a melody from another song that ended up being the melody I stole and, uh, and just put those three ideas together. And I worked on it for quite a long time between the three tunes. And I kind of thought I had something there that was worth working on. So I worked on that one for, for quite a bit. And that's one of the ones that was uh, the first record we made with Ray Kennedy, who was the guy I was talking about earlier. And uh, so he heard that one, and he had me polish it up a little bit as well, even after I thought it was pretty much done. I broke down despite my prayers, full tilt and half the way. The rubber on the road and the blood inside. But I ain't got far to go. I'll leave her where she lay. Keep the rubber on the road and the blood inside. Cause wealth and matter has never made much sense to me. And this bottle out of souls and never has set one free. I shed a couple tears and never did I grieve. I walked away and left the keys. And I'll catch me the midnight ghost. Well, when we played that pro-am together down in San Antonio at a Champions Tour event, remember we all jumped on stage and performed that night. Uh, you guys let me get up there with you, and that's one of the songs that we did, Desolation Angels. So that was uh, yeah. that, that. that's in my memory bank. That's a fond memory. The other song, which to me reminds me of golf because I love Ireland, and we just played the British Open or the Open Championship in Ireland last year from the Wicked Twisted Road album, Seven Nights in Ireland. And to me, the the, the lyrics are, are genius. It's about getting off the airplane, rolling into a pub, drinking some drinking some whiskey. But in my mind, I'm also going to be deviating to the golf course and playing some golf. So that's uh, that's always been one of my one of my favorites. But uh, there's some rocking tunes on uh, on Wicked Twisted Road. Uh, I love Six Gun and Wretched Again. And then I, I think I love Radio, which is off the album Sunset Motel. I love Radio because that's rocking. But I, I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you about the lyrics of Sunset Motel. You guys are obviously very very uh, patriotic and. In the in the in the song Sense Up Motel, you've got a line in there when it says, "When you've been all you can be, you've done all you can do." Seems fair to me they would do the same for you. I can't help but think that's a salute to the military and to our brave servicemen and women, and maybe that we should be doing more for them. Again, is that is that the, a correct assumption? Yeah, man, for sure. I wrote that um, based on just seeing this motel up in Canada called the Sunset Motel. And it's just this really seedy roadside motel out in the middle of nowhere um, that I drove by on my way down to uh, write songs with our buddy Corb Lund. And I just kind of had it in the back of my head. I was like, man, that looks like a place where somebody would go to just like end it all, you know, or OD or, you know, that looks like a bad place, you know. So I, I wrote the song about that where it's somebody who's struggling with addiction 
And about halfway through, I was just thinking, like, man, this is kind of sounds like this guy might be a vet, you know. And songs like that kind of take shape, and the story kind of unfolds. Like, I don't know where it's going to go sometimes. And um, like you said, you know, we've always had a lot of respect for, for the, the military and the, and the vets, especially, you know, the guys that have given so much. And uh, and like you said, it just seems like a lot of times we, we need to give a lot more back to those guys that, that uh, have put it all out there for us. I've actually got a song on the next record, uh, on uh, American Jackpot that's coming out. Um, it's called Put On Your Brave Face, Mary, and it's it really addresses that that issue. It's about the uh, the veteran suicide rate, and um, it's a true story about uh, this kid who used to come see his play. And um, that'll be out uh, in a couple of weeks, so I, I'll be interested to see what you think of that. It's, um, it's a little bit more to the point than uh, just the kind of casual reference, so... Yeah, I hope it raises a little awareness or awareness for uh, for these veterans that are struggling with the PTSD. When you've been all you can be, you've done all you can do. Seems fair to me they would do the same for you. They just shake your hand and smile while they tell you go to hell. You'll find what you need at the Sunset Motel So baby, hold me close and say you'll never let me go I don't even know who I am no more Don't turn me away, don't leave me out in the cold You know that I've only got one just like the last time it won't work out well Don't let me go back to the Sunset Motel Don't let me go back to the Sunset Motel Well, our history together uh, with NBC and Jake's Takes uh, you guys have been so great to me. We've written three songs, written and performed, and done music videos on NBC, three songs called Tears and Booze, and It's a Jungle in Here. And that was mostly all about the 16th hole at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And then the one we did... Uh, uh, blast. Yeah, that was a blast. Uh, and I appreciate your help on that so much. And then the latest one was, uh, I think I'm going to miss Johnny Miller when he retired from NBC and uh, that, that, that got a lot of play and was pretty popular with the golf fans. I mean, yeah, those were so much fun to make. It was Cody kind of put the uh, band together for a couple of those. And, um, you know, we just all showed up and acted like we knew what we were doing. But man, we, we had so much fun doing that with you guys. And well, your daughter I, Amy too, man. She can sing. Yeah, Amy can sing. Well, listen, I just, uh, I really appreciate your time. I know it's been a little bit longer, but Willie, you were talking about every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central, you put on Facebook, the Reckless Kelly Facebook, Music from the Mountains, where you sit around the campfire with your guitar. I haven't missed one. I love it, oh, and I God. recommend that. I recommend that to everybody. Uh, two two new albums coming out, uh, and um, like like you guys know, I'm a huge fan uh, Cody, I wish you all the best. You're in Austin. I, I hope you stay safe down there. Thanks, and Peter. Really, we're doing doing great. 
and up in uh, up in Idaho, Willie. Thanks again for joining me today, and uh, I look forward to talking to you guys soon. I think I'm gonna miss Johnny Miller. He always speaks his mind. Doing his thing, his comments could sting. As honest as you'll ever find. Calling shots and talking the game. TV golf will never be the same. From that low trap draw to the chunk and run. He came to fame when he teed it up all the way to the broadcast booth. From Arnold and Jack to Tiger and Phil, he always spoke his truth. He had something to say about everyone, and he could play in a major way. From Oakmont to the Hall of Fame, by way of San Francisco Bay. I'm probably gonna miss Johnny Miller He always speaks his mind Doing his thing, his comments can sting As honest as you'll ever find He's really honest He knows that shot that's hit a groove low It's probably from some guy who was playing too slow He's never been too shy, he'll always take a stand Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?